You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chase Kitty, the host of the Lion's Edge podcast from BetMGM. Uh, Let's start with the news today, Chase, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo, where it looks like he's not going to be out for the entire season. Uh, seven to eight weeks, could be back maybe for the divisional round. I mean, how do we approach this season for the 49ers at this point, knowing that he could be back, but you still have to get to that point with Brock Purdy as your quarterback? Well, I think on the week-to-week market, you you take it week-to-week. You look at the number, you, you see if you like what you're getting with San Francisco, uh, given that you're getting a third-string rookie quarterback. Uh, you weigh the numbers, and then I think the futures discussion is kind of a whole other handicap, but... I mean, the 49ers have shown the way they play with average to above average quarterback play. They can really compete. So, I mean, even with a third string quarterback, I don't think you can count on anything from Garoppolo. But even with a third string quarterback, I think you have to think about maybe a 49ers to win the NFC ticket at a, at a degraded price that's going to offer you better odds. And then maybe think about hedging off of it later. For this week, for what it's worth, I love them at three and a half against the Bucs. I, I think the Bucs are an average team that's getting handicapped. Uh, like a team that has Tom Brady at their quarterback at age 25, not 45. Uh, I, I love them at this price. I think they're going to win going away. Uh, Chase, really quickly, moving over to college football, what's your process right now betting these bowl games, You know, looking outside the college football playoff? Because it's very tempting when these lines, obviously, these numbers get released. Uh, we're seeing some wild numbers, though, because we don't know who the hell is going to be playing. Like You look at USC, is Caleb Williams going to be out there? Are there any games that you're looking at right now where you're able to bet, or are you pretty much going to have to wait until, you know, like 24 hours before kickoff, really to see who's going to be available on these rosters? Yeah, I mean, you said it right there. We, we have no idea who's going to play in any of these games. Uh, I think I saw a stat today that like 8%, I, I might get this wrong, but I think this is what I saw. Like 8% of all FBS college football players entered the transfer portal in the last yeah. 48 hours yeah. or something. Yeah, it's been wild. So, man. I mean... It's I don't know how you handicap games like that. And, you know, the the college football players are going to say, hey, cry me a river. You don't know how to bet on the games. Mm -hmm. I take their point. But, you know, from my perspective as a handicapper, it's really difficult. I think there are some spots where you you look and see, you know, I don't know maybe the exact starting personnel that we're going to get in this game. But I I still feel like I want to get some early money down and lock down a position that maybe I can move off of later if I don't like it. One example of that would be in the Kansas-Arkansas game. That just screams over to me, and it's kind of square. It's kind of public, so it's not the sort of spot that I always go for. But Kansas has a bad defense. Arkansas has a bad secondary. Seems like the loser of that game is going to score 38 points. So that's, you know, maybe you get money down in a spot like that where it seems like we know exactly what the game is going to look like regardless of the personnel. But historically the way I like to approach bowl season in the first place is to be very contrarian, you know, mm-hmm. two or three times a bowl season we'll, we'll see because of the weather, there's going to be rain, there's going to be snow. Uh, we find out it, 24 hours out from kickoff, 
what the weather is going to look like. And so everybody will pound one side of the total over or under. It almost always goes the other way. So, I mean, it's just there are so many bad assumptions during bowl season and the uncertainty with all these players is just going to add to that. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities if you're sitting at your computer, if you're sitting on Twitter and you're seeing all the news updates, the sports book can't adjust fast enough. So if you're dialed in, there's lots of spots that you can find and hit on, but it's going to be pretty wild. And and I would say be be a little conservative about taking too many positions early on. Yeah, Chase, really quickly as a friend and as an early Christmas gift, let me give you uh, <laughs> South Carolina plus three and a half with a nice bow because it's Notre Dame in a bowl game. South Carolina has been playing great football the last month. I'm guessing Spencer Rattler plays. And who the hell is starting a quarterback for Notre Dame? Tyler Buckner. So there you go. Plus three and a half South Carolina. Fire away tonight, Trista. (laughs) Merry Christmas. If you really wanted to give me a Christmas present, Ryan, you could have not bet against my Dukes tonight. That would have been been a a much better present. I didn't give it out or anything like that. I don't really feel good. I think your Dukes are actually the right side. I think they're going to cover this game. It's just like, I'm just, I'm betting, yeah, no, I'm just betting Virginia every night right now, man. They are just, they're a juggernaut. Yeah, that was nuts. Tell me how you're feeling and thinking about this TCU-Michigan game in terms of a total, because what we know and what we've seen is that TCU is just an over-machine, and Michigan's sort of up and down. You know, obviously a really good defense. Uh, No Blake Corum sort of changes things for the complexion of their offense. Like, how do you analyze that? I think it starts with how you view Michigan and how you view the program that Jim Harbaugh is building, because I've read a lot the last few weeks, basically since they beat Ohio State the second time, about how, hey, this is what Jim Harbaugh has been working toward the last seven years. You know, it takes a little while to get you from, hey, this is a great program to this is an elite program to Clemson a few years with Dabo. Like it takes a little while. And so if you buy into the idea that Michigan is on the doorstep or they're there. I'm not telling you they're going to beat Georgia, but that would put them in a different realm than TCU, who is a good to very good Big 12 champion that has been fairly lucky this year. And I say that as a Big 12 fan. It's not a knock against TCU. It's just they've gotten the bounces. Uh, So if that's how you frame it up, I think I lay the points with Michigan. We've seen historically in the college football playoff era, these semifinal games, the points don't really come into play all that often. It's a lot of blowouts. And it's hard to make the case to lay the points with Michigan because of a game from five years ago or something like that. But I do think at a certain point, the history of these semifinal games matters. And there's not a lot of them that have been very competitive. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the total as well. What What's your process there? Um. I think TCU is going to try to score points. I don't know how effective they're going to be early on. I think Michigan's defense is really, really good. I would think about maybe a full game under, but then maybe a second half over. Uh, I'm just thinking about game script and game flow, and I think TCU could maybe score some garbage points late, but maybe the game still goes full under, and then you can kind of hedge your way out of it with in-game play. Uh, now it's a month to, still to the game. So, you know, who knows what could happen and maybe I changed my mind, but early on, that's kind of how I think about it. Uh, I, I think I would try to bet based on what the game looks like. Talking to Chase Kitty here on BetMGM tonight. Let's look at week 14 in the NFL a little bit. Uh, there's a monster, monster spread for the Cowboys at home against the Texans. 
Dallas right now is minus 17 in that game. Uh, we've all kind of agreed. We like the total in that at 44 and a half, probably the over considering what Dallas just did last week. And they clearly just want to put up points and not let off the gas on anybody. But is that, is that a, to, uh, is that a spread that you would be comfortable taking either side on given that big number? I don't think so. At least not right now. And it's, it's not because on principle, I'm unwilling to lay a big number like that. Cause I thought laying the big number, it wasn't that big, but I thought laying a bigger number against the Colts last week on Sunday night was the right move if you wanted to get involved in that game. 17 is so big, though. And, I mean, I, I'm somebody, like, I, I don't know how many times I've shelled for the Texans this year on this show, but, like, I like to bet the Texans if the number is big and juicy because they do generally stay competitive in these games. I have massive PTSD from from Sunday <laughs> betting Houston plus the seven and then on the money line. Nick, I think I heard you were on the money line as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they didn't cover. Do you know how hard it is to not cover a game where you're <laughs> where you're getting seven points and you outscore the other team on offense? I saw this stat. Uh, I, th- I think this was uh, from VEASAN. Cleveland's three non-offensive touchdowns without scoring a touchdown on offense. It's only the 11th time that's happened since the AFL-NFL merger in 1966. Wow. It was so, so frustrating. And Deshaun Watson was as bad as what we expected, too, and yet they still couldn't pull it out. He was, and that's ex- that was exactly what my handicap was, Nick. It was, look, why are we assuming that Deshaun Watson, who hasn't played professional football in two years, really, is going to automatically be awesome right away so I think going forward I know we're talking about Houston and Dallas right now but that's kind of my handicap on Cleveland is assume Watson's going to be rusty until we see evidence otherwise I think back to the Dallas game I think there's got to be some kind of angle on the under I think we see oftentimes after a big offensive explosion like a team like Dallas just had oftentimes you see regression to the mean I could see that defense pitching a near shutout maybe Houston ends up with like three points or six points and Dallas just runs the ball the entire second half, like 35 to 6, something like that, and it comes in under. Uh, Chase, the Lions have been playing really good football. They just scored 40 on the Jags, and it's kind of crazy because you have a 5-7 and seven team. I know they're at home, but they're two-and-a-half-point favorites now over a 10-2 and two Vikings team. What do you make of this game, and which way would you lean? So I saw the Lions thing really early, uh, and I don't think it was anything smart that I did. I think I was just kind of lucky and in the right place at the right time. Yeah. They fired their defensive backs coach. They were coming out of a bye, and I I watched whatever game they played right out of the bye. I, I don't remember which one it was. I think it was the Dolphins game, mm-hmm. and it was like, man, you know, they, they lost that game, but it really felt like they were a markedly improved team, and I just I've kept betting the Lions basically every week since then, and they've covered every game. I was very, very passionate about the Lions being the right side in that game last week, but they won so convincingly, I now worry about the Lions getting priced out, kind of like they were at the beginning of the year when they were getting uh, the, you know, what, the hard knocks bounce and, and everybody was hyper exposed to the team, and so they weren't being really priced correctly. They were being overvalued in the betting markets. I worry now that they're a home favorite against a 10-win team. I get that the Vikings are what they are. I'm, this is not a pro Vikings position. It's just being concerned about where the market caps out for how the Lions are evaluated. Mm-hmm. So right now, I think I'm staying away. I still think I'm, I'm getting involved. It's the Lions for me. But I am starting to think about, like, where's the right time to jump off the bandwagon? Because you want to be too early and not too late. That's what I was going to ask you. If you're holding, like, Lions plus one, which was the opener or even a pick, you know, and I don't think we're going to get to three, do you? 
if you wanted to buy back. Uh, it's early in the week. It's early in the week, and people really like the Lions now. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if we get there maybe Saturday or early Sunday. Interesting. Chase, you talk about markets, and you know, I don't know necessarily people thought that the game was going to go the way it did between the Commanders and the Giants, but it does end in a tie. And now at home, the Giants are seven-point dogs to the Eagles, who absolutely smashed uh, the Tennessee Titans last week. Me and Ryan were both on the Titans. Bad sort stuff. of a, a sh- shocking <laughs> outcome, I think. But now, what does this number tell us? Because Eagles coming off that big of a win and still only being a seven-point road dog, even though it's a divisional opponent, I'm just sort of curious about your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I don't know that I would frame it that way, Trista. I mean, I, I I agree with all of the words you said in the order that you said them, but it's <laughs> it's the it's a divisional opponent. They're on the road. Um, it's it's off of a big win. The Giants are are they're not desperate yet, but you can see desperate from here. So I I, th- I think seven points in those conditions is actually a pretty big spread for a team like the Eagles. And I mean, if you lay this at ten or eleven. I mean, the, the Sharps are going to kill you on the For Giants, sure. I think. So I, I think I think it's in the right zone. For me, it's a it's a no buy right now. I, I think this is going to get to six and a half. At which point, I'm going to come in on the Eagles. Uh, but right now, it's seven, just flat number. I'm not really interested because I don't see an advantage either way in that number. We all know who the better team is in this matchup, and it's not just because the Eagles are, have the best record in the NFL. It's because everybody now understands what the Giants are. So at this point, it's just about I want the better team and I want a good number and I'm willing to be patient and see if I can get a six and a half. And if I can't, then I just won't have a position on the game. Chase, real quick, got about a minute here. The MVP market right now in the NFL. The big thing I said on Friday was if you think Joe Burrow can win MVP, bet him now at 18 to one, because if he beats the Chiefs, that number is going to drop. And it did. He's now eight to one to win MVP. Where are you in terms of where the market is? And, And honestly, how do you see that shaping out when it's all said and done? Yeah, uh, great question. I I think what I saw uh, maybe about a month ago was, you know, everybody was in love with Josh Allen through the first eight weeks of the season. Uh, they get the big win in Kansas City. They're in control of their destiny to get the number one seed and host through the playoffs. And then they have sort of that weird little four-week funk where they, they kind of drop out of, of the running for that number one seed, or at least they lose the inside positioning. There's some question about Josh Allen's elbow. I think right now is an interesting time to circle back to that Josh Allen ticket because if they finish the year, you know, and they have the best record in the AFC and they're number one, and I think there's a chance that he kind of jumps back over Burrow and Mahomes. Uh, I, I think your cap on Joe Burrow is spot on, by the way. Like, if you like Joe Burrow, it's worth holding the ticket and you buy it before the Chiefs game. Just where the market is now, I think it's it's interesting to see Josh Allen sitting there at 12 to 1. Uh, given where he was at earlier in the year. Now that they're back with the inside track to the one seed, I wouldn't be surprised if he's right back near favorite status at the end of the year and the Bills mm-hmm. are the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, it's been a volatile market, that's for sure. It's just fluctuated week after week, and that's what happens when you have a lot of good quarterback play and everybody's held to a high standard. He's Chase Kitty. Make sure you subscribe to the Lion's Edge podcast from BetMGM. Appreciate the time, Chase. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, Joe, Joe Burrow... At 18 to 1, it looks a lot better than 8 to 1, that's for sure.